Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hallelujah. As we return to our seats, how about, let's put our hands together for Jesus one more time, people of God. Amen. God is good and he is great. Merry Christmas Eve to everyone. Um, I want to welcome you to Refresh Community Church. My name is Pastor Carlos Smith. I am the lead pastor of this wonderful, wonderful church. And I want to welcome you uh, here to Refresh, whether you are here in our sanctuary, whether you are in our online audience over in Facebook or YouTube land. We are so grateful uh, that you have chosen to worship with us today. You could have been anywhere, uh, but we are glad that you are here with us. And here at Refresh, our vision is to see our hearts and our lives and our communities refresh renewed, rebuilt, and restored by the power and the presence of Jesus. So we're so glad that you are here with us today. Um, can we, I know we've been doing a lot of clapping and whatnot today, but can we give God a praise uh, for that wonderful worship in our ministry? Amen. The, the Reverend Mark Goins and his team has led us throughout Advent um, and that's right, that's right, that's the fam over there. He's, he's led us throughout Advent through worship, through arts, dance, spoken word, uh, uh, video. I mean, he has led us well, him and his team, so we are grateful uh, to him. And so we are glad that you are here with us as we celebrate Advent, uh, which is the coming of the God-man, Jesus Christ to earth. We believe that 2,000 years ago, heaven touched earth when God became human in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and so Christmas um, is about celebrating and commemorating and remembering that miraculous life that redeemed all of us from the power of sin and death. Amen? Amen. And so we're gonna, I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles. We've been walking through a series throughout Advent entitled Out of the Shadows, and we've been going through the book of Isaiah. And if you're like, who is Isaiah? Don't worry about it. He's an Old Testament prophet preacher um, who prophesied and looked forward to the coming of Jesus. And so we've been spending this entire month in that Old Testament book. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read some classic verses um, from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. These are beloved verses, especially verse 6 and 7 in a Christian tradition. If you're not a Christian or not familiar with these verses, um, you'll be introduced to something that is very beloved uh, by Christians around the world, especially verses 6 and 7. And when you get there, give me an amen. 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 And if you haven't found it, it'll be on the screens, and we will read together. But here's the word of the Lord. But there will be no doom for her who was in anguish. At the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. 
For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment robed in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here are those beloved verses. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for the incarnation of the God-man. We thank you that 2,000 year heaven touched earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Be with us today as we remember what it means to see hope in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may have your seats. <clears throat> I want to talk to you for just a few minutes from the thought, hope on the horizon. Hope on the horizon. Um, a few months ago, many of you know that back in October, I had the opportunity to share a moment um, with you that was um, of epic importance to me, and um, it brought me uh, to a place of reflection and understanding and uh, just, you know, looking back over my life and all that good stuff. It was called Turning 40. Um, that's what I did in October. Um, and as I thought through this and wrestled with it, um, I decided the place that I should do that uh, was in Mexico. Um, so me and my wife, we took a trip for my 40th uh, to Mexico, and I had a great time, especially because my name is Carlos. Um, contrary to what some of you may think, and many of the Mexicans thought I am not of Hispanic origin at all. My family was just black people from Detroit who liked the name Carlos, and so that's what they called me. Uh, but being in Mexico felt like I was amongst my people, not because I'm Hispanic at all, uh, but because it was so many dudes named Carlos. It was like, hey, Carlos, what's up? Carlos, Carlos, can you take me over here? Hey, Carlos, what you got? I mean, it was all day. I felt like I was returning to my people. Uh, but all that fun and good time, food, I mean, I ate a lot. We had a blast during this trip. But the thing I missed most isn't so much the food and the things that we did and the fun we had uh, was actually watching the sunrise every morning um, over the Caribbean Sea. Um, every morning where I was, our room faced due east, and there was a sunrise that happened every day as happens as the earth continues to orbit and rotate. The sun came up every single day. And what was fascinating um, is that people were there for this sunrise. In fact, for the sunrise, you could begin, even while it was still dark, you would begin to hear people rustling. You would hear people coming out on their patio. You would see people on the beach, and they would be looking and training their eyes on the horizon, overlooking the sea just to watch the sun come up every single morning. And what was fascinating is that there was anticipation and certainty every single day that the sun was going to come up. In fact, there was so much certainty that people set their alarms to get up and be there and to experience the beauty of the sunrise. And if you're trying to figure out what that has to do with Christmas and what that got to do with Christmas Eve, I'm here to tell you the message that I want to leave with you today that is that just as certain as you can be that the sun is going to rise, that you can set your clock and look over the horizon with hope and anticipation, I want you to know that you can look over the horizon of your life and know that Jesus Christ himself is going to push back the darkness of your life with the brightness of his coming in the incarnation. Pe 
People of God, this is the message of Christmas. It's not just about toys and reindeer, ain't mad at all that, do that, have a good time, have your eggnog, but don't miss Jesus in Christmas. Don't miss the idea that God gave us hope that we can train our focus on, that we can set our watch by, even in the dark areas of our life. It can feel like as we're sitting through darkness, depression, and loneliness, and all the things that actually tick up during this time of the year. It's a record-setting year for calls to the suicide hotline. It's a record-setting year for addiction and issues such as that. And guess what? Jesus says that just like you know the darkness that you encounter, I need you to know that hope has already come and hope is on the way in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at our text for today, I want you to think through two things that I'm going to share with us briefly here. I just want to talk to you about the son of hope, the S-O-N of hope. That's Jesus. That's the baby we're talking about here. And I want us to think about, after that, the dawn of hope. What does it look like when hope in that little child takes root in your life? Whether you are already a believer, listen, we need to, the gospel and we need reminders over and over and over again. You, you don't grow out the gospel. You don't get past Jesus. You don't mature out of the incarnation. If you've known Jesus for a long time, these are truths that you need to take hold again for yourself. And even if you don't know Jesus, if you're like, hey, I'm, I'm new to this Christian thing, or I'm just figuring out, these are beautiful promises that are rooted in the person. When we talk about hope, it's not just a noun or a thing. It's rooted in the person of Christ. And in this text, we get these wonderful titles, wonderful counselor, everlasting God, uh, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And where we are in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is kind of riffing off Isaiah 7, where he's already told us that there's this divine child that's going to be born. He says that this divine child, he gives him a name over in uh, Isaiah 7, 14. We just sung about it. Anybody know what that name is? It's Emmanuel. It means God with us. And he gives this promise in Isaiah 7 that God would be with his people in the manifestation of a delivering child, even in the darkest social political and moral moment in Israel's history. And God reminds us today that this child comes to us. God gives us the promise of this child, not when everything is going well. You don't have to be doing good to receive this promise. He says that when it's the darkest in your life, that's when I promise you that you have my presence. And so he introduces this idea in Isaiah 7, but he continues on it in Isaiah 9, where we are today, and he gives us these titular uh, name titles of this child, and he starts with this one called Wonderful Counselor. Now, this one, this isn't counseling as in your therapist that you either see or should be seeing. Um, this is counselor in a sense of a military strategist. The idea here is that this child uh, set up a strategy, a plan to redeem all of creation, to redeem all image bearers through his death on the cross. Ephesians 1 says it this way, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to make known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Check this out, y'all. The eternal counsel of God that manifests itself in a manger some 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem says that it's so wonderful, this plan of salvation that God devises, it says that angels desire to look into it. it those angels that are hanging on your tree right now is trying to figure out 
why God chose to redeem folks like us. It says they're confounded by it, that God would somehow converge his justice and his mercy and make them meet at the cross and thereby destroy death, sin, and restore all of his creation and conform us to his image and call us from death to life. That is the plan of the wonderful counselor. But not only is he the wonderful counselor, he is called the mighty God, El Gibor. This is a clear statement of his deity, and it's a picture of God being mighty in battle. And our God is a mighty God who defeats sin and death. And Hebrews 2 tells us that he partook of flesh and blood and that through death he destroyed the one who has the power of sin, that is, or the power of death, that is the devil. But not only is he the mighty God who destroys sin and death, he is also the everlasting father. In this title, we see the eternality, the transcendence, the immutability, the impassibility, the omnipotence, the omnipresence, and the eternal uh, wisdom of the creator God made flesh. Listen, Fred Hammond put it real good a few uh, decades ago when he said, this is now, he is not just a baby here. This this is God in the flesh. Brother Fred was, was repeating the words of Colossians 1 when it says that by him, this baby, this Christ child, by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Check this out. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Check this out, including you. That's right. You are being held together right now by this Christ child. You in your very, not just in your life, not just in your finances, not just in your mental health. And he is holding that together too, by the way. You're trying to figure out why you ain't lost your mind, why you haven't been bowled over by the trauma. It's because Christ is holding you together. He's been holding you together, and he even holds you together, according to Hebrews 1, at the molecular level, that he is the consistency that brings all of the universe together through the word of his power. But not only is he the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, but he is also the prince of peace. Lord Jesus, don't we need some peace in this world? We we need some peace. This is the Messiah. This picture of him as the prince of peace is the this picture of one who is able to put the full weight of the governance of humanity on his shoulder. In fact, that's what the text says. Look at what it says here. It says the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isn't that good news in 2024 and that's going to be an election year that, that we ain't got to put the governance of this country or any country on the shoulder of flawed and fallible men that we don't have to depend on the shoulders of the donkey or of the elephant to bear the weight of who God has called us to be. But the government is upon his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of his father, David, and over his kingdom. He's going to establish it and uphold it. You see, we need peace in this world. We need peace in the land of Jesus. You see, this Prince of Peace that we're talking about, we need to see that peace in Israel and in Gaza. Did you know that because of the war in Israel and Gaza, that this year while you're opening gifts, while you're celebrating with your family, while you're drinking eggnog, there will be no Christmas in Bethlehem this year? That because of the ongoing war, there won't be any gathering in Bethlehem. In the land of Jesus, the place where he was born, because we're unable to see peace in the land of Israel, in the place where he's from, they won't celebrate Christmas where Jesus was born. But not only do we need peace in the land of Jesus, we need peace 
right, in our country, where, where we claim to be a Christian nation founded on Christian values, and yet we haven't learned yet how to get along and love one another and not hate and not be racist and not discriminate. We need peace right here. And if that's too far for you, you probably need peace in your house. Let's, let's be honest. I know, I know we all dressed up. We looking cute as Christmas Eve. But if we tell the truth, some of us are a wreck. Some of our marriages are a wreck. Some of our children are a wreck. Some of our mental health is a wreck. And what we have here is the Prince of Peace who the Bible, check this out, says that he has been born and he has been given. This means we have access to this peace right now. We, we, we have access to the Prince of Peace right now. And so listen, this, this, is my, this, is, this is my ask. This is my plea for you today is that you would just simply accept the gift, that you would embrace the gift, that you would appropriate the gift. God says that I've given you the wonderful counselor, the one who has devised yourself ethic strategy. I've already given you the mighty God, the one in whom deity dwells. I've already given you the everlasting father, the one who stepped down on nothing and created everything. And I've already given you the prince of peace. The question is, will you embrace him? And so I know y'all are sitting here because now y'all mad. Y'all, y'all like, he just legit sat in front of me and did the unwrap the gift of Christmas Jesus juke in front of me. And now I'm mad because I've I seen that coming. But why, why should I do that? I can hear your thoughts. You, you, you asking, why should I do that? Why should I cling to this? Why should I unwrap this gift of Jesus? Every preacher in America is saying that right now. Why are you saying it, Carlos? I wish you wouldn't. Could you say something else? Fine, I will say something else. I will indulge your objection, uh, person whose thoughts I'm reading right now. Um, why? What does he do? What, what happens when you embrace Christ? Here's my contention, and what I'm trying to put before you, is that when you embrace the son of hope, that that same hope begins to dawn in your life and change it from the inside out. And so... Those passages, those beloved passages where we read about these titles, I want to kind of back up into some of the other ones and just give you a few things that I think happens when we embrace the Son of Hope. Is that all right? It's just a couple things. I won't be before you long. I know some of y'all are going to start y'all Christmas shopping right now. Um, so I see a few people. You ain't, you're not taking notes. You're on Amazon because you're hoping. <laughs> you're like, is there any way that Brother Bezos can overnight me something? <laughs> So I won't, I ain't going to be long. I'm just about done. I just want to drop a couple things on you that are in this passage. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is that when you embrace the son of hope and the hope begins to dawn in your heart, the first thing you get according to verse 2 here in this text is illumination. Look at it. It says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This is what will happen when you embrace the son of hope. You can expect God to roll back the darkness in your life. The dark things and the dark places in your life, Jesus is going to roll back. He gives this promise to Israel when there was a total spiritual blackout. He gives this promise when there was moral darkness, political darkness, every kind of darkness you can experience. And God says, those are the people who are going to see my light. He actually gives this promise, and it harkens back to Genesis chapter 1, the first page of your Bible, when God steps out on nothing, sees nothing, and speaks everything. And the first thing he creates is light. Check, listen how boss Yahweh is. He creates light on day one and then creates the sun four days later. The ancients wasn't stupid. God is just God like that. And he's trying to tell you that I can take absolutely nothing and bring light out of darkness. So if you feel like you're nothing, you're a perfect candidate for God to bring something out of nothing. 
And so not only do you get illumination, this light that helps us to see God, ourself, in reality as it truly is, that pushes back on the shadows of lies and fear and shame and depression and loneliness that racks so many of us during the season. He gives us illumination through Christ, but he also gives us restoration. Look at the text. Look at verse 1. It says, there will be no gloom. For her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I like about this. God says, hey, I'm going to tell you that I, I am fully aware that the ancient times was full of anguish and gloom and contempt. As we would say today, the ancient times were trash, okay? God is like, hey, listen, I'm not saying that it was all good. And, and, and some of us as Christians, especially when we start talking hope and heaven and restoration, people are like, are you people realistic? And I would say that Christians are both some of the most optimistic and realistic people on the, on the planet. Because we actually believe, check this out, and this is wild, we believe that God is able to bring restoration in the broken places. Look, look at what he says. He says that the former time had contempt, gloom, and anguish. But look at this. He says in the latter time, right where there was contempt, gloom, and anguish, that is where I'm going to make it glorious. What does that have to do with you? What that means is the place where you have seen brokenness, abuse, pain, disappointment, frustration, anxiety. God says it is in that place that I'm actually going to reveal my glory. It is in your brokenness that I'm going to reveal the glorious purposes of who I am and what I have for you. I wish I had three people who know that God can take the broken places of your life and bring restoration. Listen, I, 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 I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a testimony of that. I, I hope, I wish y'all remembered those, those Thanksgiving services that we had a few, a few weeks ago when, when folks stood up here and talked about how God took their mourning and turned it into dance and how, how God gave them a spirit of praise for a spirit of heaviness, how God made rivers in a desert and how God provided for them in a place where there should have been no provision. People of God, this is what our God does. God doesn't need everything to be all right. Do y'all realize that our God is the only being in the universe who can take something that is quantifiably and qualitatively evil and transform it into good? Look, look yeah. I don't know if y'all feeling me. I ain't got time to preach like I want to. But let, 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 me, let me tell y'all about, y'all do know that this Christ child, this baby, how, how much qualitatively evil can you get than killing God in the flesh? And God took that and turned it into the salvation of the whole world. And so, arguing from the greater to the lesser, if God can take the murder of God and change it into salvation, surely he can take your despair and change it into praise. He can take your depression and change it into a praise. God can change the things that have sought to break you and use it to build you. This is the God that we serve. And so... You know, I, 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 I'm loving, and I, I love this God who, as we embrace the hope and the hope begins the dawn, we see that he brings us illumination. He brings us restoration. If I didn't have to go to Costco and finish my Christmas shopping, I would also tell y'all that it brings emancipation. It, it brings emancipation. Look at verse 4. It says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. If I didn't have to go and get my kids some more toys, I would tell you that that burden there is something that folks place on you that's too heavy for you to carry. God says, I'm going to break that thing, that that yoke that is placed around your neck... 
that is seeking to control you and dictate your path from things that happened to you in your childhood, God says, I'm going to break that thing, that the, the rod that has sought to abuse you and to beat you down on the hands of the enemy. God said, I'm going to break that thing. Our God promises liberation through Christ. Look, I know, I, I know this is supposed to be Christmas or a Christmas Eve celebration, but this is a bait and switch. This is Juneteenth, baby. God has said that you have been free in Jesus. God says you have already been de declared free through what he has done. All you got to do, listen, check it out. All you got to do is embrace it. He, he, he's given it to you. Child of God, it's, it's yours. You don't have to keep walking in darkness and walking in bondage and walking in depression. Jesus says, I've already set you free. And so God says, I've given you emancipation, but I'm going to wrap on up now. I just want to tell y'all real quick that when you embrace the son, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, he'll dawn and bring hope into your life and bring you illumination, restoration, emancipation. But lastly, he'll bring you jubilation. Look at verse 3. It says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. He gives two pictures here. He says he brings you joy like in the harvest. Y'all do know. Y'all don't, we ain't got no category for that because we ain't farmers out here. But y'all, let me give y'all something y'all can understand. When that paycheck hit, when that, when that, when that direct deposit come through, one of the best things in my life, you ever check your direct deposit late at night and this thing came a day early and you just, ah, uh, you, you, you just going to quicken the, uh, you start speaking in unknown tongues and you're a Presbyterian. I both shy. You just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, un 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 unexpected direct depositor make you speak, may turn you Pentecostal instantly. But, but the harvest was not a given during this time because there might have been a famine, there might have been locusts, the yield just might not have been good. It might have been raiders who came and took what belongs to you. So a harvest was worth shouting and tearing the church up about because it meant you could eat for the next few months. He says the joy is those because God has provided for you as he's given you everything that you need and he sustains you for the time to come. And he says this baby is like that kind of joy. But he also says that this baby is the same joy that one would have when they're dividing the spoil. This, the picture of this is a victorious king who has gone out against one's enemies of the nation and has conquered and brought back stuff to enrich the nation. And here's the beautiful thing about the picture of the nation dividing the spoil. The nation didn't even have to fight for it. The, the king himself went to war. The king went and conquered. The king went and took what belonged to the nation and brought it back, and you just get to enjoy the fruit of it. This is exactly what the Christ child has done. He fought against Satan, the devil, and the flesh, and he brings back salvation. He brings back joy. He brings back peace. He brings back liberation. He brings back emancipation. And he says, child of God, you are free, and all you got to do is receive. And so, as we get ready to worship and as our choir comes, y'all, this is the hope that we can set our eyes on. This is the horizon that we can look at as we enter into Christmas Eve. Listen, have all the fun. Have, have open the gifts. Enjoy your family. Drink eggnog with or without libations. That's between you and Jesus, what you do with your eggnog. Let them let lead you, you know. Uh, <laughs> But in the midst of all the festivities of this season, did I believe that God wants us to enjoy, okay? I think God, God gives us good things and good gifts like family gifts and, and chicken wings, all kinds of stuff. He gives us good gifts, ham, all that. He gave it to us, said enjoy it. Um, but in the midst of all the joy and celebration, don't miss Jesus. 
Don't, don't miss Jesus. And so if you're listening to me right now, and maybe you're a Christian, listen, I, I, I haven't been a Christian long enough to know that that Christianity thing can be like, that's a spectrum. Like, you know, some days you walk in close to Jesus and you sense his presence, and sometimes he feels really far away. And if we keeping it real, and not just talking about our Instagram stories and our social media profiles, sometimes this time of the year is one of the times when he feels the furthest away. Actually, it's during this time of the year that we can miss some of those folks that we ain't seen in a long time, that went to be with him, that we're estranged from, that maybe hurt us and we've never reconciled, or we hurt them and never reconciled. And what I'm here to tell you is that Jesus offers us hope even in the midst of the darkness. And we can put our eyes on him because his desire is that we would experience and embrace the love, the joy, and the peace that he offers us. And so, as we get ready to worship, we're going to sing some more songs. We're going to have a few of our elders down here that if you need prayer, you need somebody to walk with you, to bear those burdens with you. We're here to pray with you and to walk with you. And if you don't know Christ as well, if you want to know more about this Jesus I've been preaching about, boy, we would love to introduce you to him. But if you are bearing burdens this season, I just want to open an altar even as we worship, as our choir sings. We'll have our elders down here to pray with you, pray for you. But this season, train your hope, train your eyes over the horizon on the hope that is in the Christ child. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you because you are good. We thank you that you are the wonderful counselor. We thank you that you are the mighty God. We thank you that you are the everlasting Father. And oh, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Eternal God, be with us now as we worship. God, meet us where we are. God, we thank you that these beautiful promises don't come when we have it all together, but they come when we are in the darkness. Allow the beauty of your promises and the beauty of your person to draw us out of the shadows and draw us into your marvelous light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us stand and let us worship together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.